0: Hello, and welcome to the Untitled Female Driven Podcast. We are three film and TV writers who are here to talk about how to make it as professional writers in the entertainment industry. This podcast covers what we wish we'd known when we were getting started. You can learn the easy way what we learn the hard way. I'm Hannah. I mostly write for television. I'm Jess Cho. I mostly write for television as well.
1: And I'm Erica Schreiber. I mostly write features.
0: And
2: today, we will be discussing the benefits of flexibility in your career with a special guest,
3: Ellie Fumby. Hi. Ellie, we're so glad to have you on today. Thank you. I'm so happy and honored to be here as well and to be talking about the industry and just like my little journey. So thank you for inviting me.
2: Ellie and I met during the 2016 Hedgebrook Screenwriters Lab. It's a week-long residency that mentors and supports five female writers develop their projects. It's a really great experience. I'd highly recommend any of our female listeners to apply. When I met Ellie, I was so impressed with her poise and her energy and how laser-focused she was in her work, and also just how versatile she was and continues to be. Ellie wears so many different hats everything under the umbrella of filmmaking, and so she's really the perfect guest to share her thoughts on career flexibility with us today. So before we get into that, Ellie, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to give us a quick bio.
3: I'm a a writer, director, actor, producer, in that order, I would say. I was born in Cameroon, and I moved to the States when I was five, and, and I think that's an important fact because my experience as an immigrant in this country has influenced my work more than anything else, I'd say. I went on to study directing at Columbia's School of the Arts, where I produced a gold Student Academy Award winning short film called Nocturne in Black. And my own thesis film, Zenith, which was a script that I actually took to Hedgebrook, the feature script that I took to Hedgebrook. My short was a semi finalist of the Student Academy Awards as well and was nominated for an African Academy Award. Great way to end school. And after graduating in 2017, I wrote a feature called Our Father, the Devil and it's a psychological thriller that was selected for funding by the Venice Biennale College. That's basically a competitive workshop uh, for first-time filmmakers where they fund four features each year. So I'm now in prep and I'll be heading to France to shoot that in about a month.
2: <laughs> very, very impressive. Hey guys, that's an elevator pitch right there. Ellie. Right, <laughs> Amazing. really, especially. So, I mean, as we've all just heard from Ellie's bio, she's she's quite prolific. She's done a lot, um, which I think gets us into today's topic, you know, the benefits of flexibility in your career. And Ellie, you know, when we were discussing doing this podcast earlier, you called yourself the multi-hyphenate creator. Could you uh,
3: explain that a little bit? A multi-hyphenate creator is somebody who's sort of navigating between different crafts, you might start with a script, and then you might also, you know, decide that you have the resources to direct that project, or even to produce it. And it's basically, you know, the creator that's using a bunch of different resources to get a project off the ground. And I think that that's becoming more of the norm uh, these days.
1: I think you're right. I feel like I see that the only way we really interact with people right now, I feel like, is on, say, Twitter. That yeah. I see that, you know. <laughs> when people follow us uh, or, you know, I, on my personal Twitter, that people are, you know, they're also comic book writers and novelists and acting and voice acting are definitely strong contenders as well for the things that I see most. And I think it's important to note that you don't have to do that. But I think it's also important to note that it's it's really helpful to do that. How did you get started doing all these things in the first place? The writing
3: definitely came first. I moved to the States when I was five, but right before that, I I sort of vaguely remember my time in Africa. We had a, a TV that had one channel the only movies I watched were like Chinese movies from the 60s. I don't know why that was being programmed in Cameroon. (laughs) 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 That was my intro to films. And, and when I moved to the States at five, it was like, all of a sudden there was this box in my living room where I had access to all these different programs, television shows, movies. And so naturally the writer in me was born in me rewriting scenes to films that I didn't like, or if I didn't like the ending to something, I would rewrite it. So I think that's naturally like just how I was, you know, built.
1: Could you please tackle Game of Thrones?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'll get on that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Then, you know, the acting is really an extension of that. You know, I started acting right after college. And for me, it was always like, that part of me that's like creating characters. And when I decided to go to film school, the the producing and the directing followed because I had spent so much time trying to act and I was already doing so much writing, um, mastering my focus really in, in film school was directing. So I already had sort of those other three crafts in my pocket and then producing was just a matter of, it. I think I started producing a lot more because I was very impatient. And I, and I also wanted to champion other filmmakers who I felt weren't getting the support at school that they needed. And, you know, it was a, it was more about collaborating and helping each other. And I realized, actually, you know, with the right project, I really do enjoy producing. So that's sort of how it I evolved.
1: Film and, and TV are such collaborative fields. And there is almost always that impatience of like, but I want to get it made, but I want to get it done. Or I see someone who's writing something amazing, and I want to I get it done for them. And I think that... A lot of times people seek out collaborators, but what you have done that is amazing is you kind of become your own collaborator. And, you know, it, obviously you're collaborating with a lot of other people, but I, I love the idea of just believing in yourself to fill other roles as they come up.
3: Yeah, I think it's important because no one else is is gonna do it for you, right? It's 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 the idea that you don't actually have to wait for somebody else to to volunteer to do that. And that if you believe enough in something and you're really passionate about it, you do have the tools to make it happen.
2: The thing that I'm always shocked by when you talk about all the things you do is like, how do you have the confidence to move between all those different fields to be like, okay, I'm a writer. I feel like I identify primarily as a writer, but in order to get these other things done, I need to acquire basically different skill sets in order to accomplish the goal that I want done.
3: What's it like to go between these different fields? The funny thing about going in between the, the, the different crafts is, for instance, like, the more I've been writing, the more confidence I've had in my acting ability. You know, it's like you spend so much time breaking down text or building characters and really understanding what makes what motivates the characters and that directly translates into the work that actors do. The area where I had the least confidence was in directing because it was the one aspect of my work that I really had zero experience with prior to film school. I was only in front of the camera. And one of the decisions I made, which I think looking back was the best decision I could have made, was once I started film school, I decided to take a break from acting and to focus all of my attention on this one area that I knew I I really needed to gain confidence in, and I just focused all my attention on directing. The more I directed, the more I had a better sense of what, as a producer, of what other filmmakers would need all of those crafts kind of fed into each other in that way and even with directing you know you're working with actors and you're trying to bring out the best performance in them so as i got better at doing that i also became a better actor because i was to a certain extent, learning how to direct myself.
1: It makes sense that like the more you learn about what a director would want from you, the more you're able to meet it as an actor.
0: Yeah, definitely. What was the lead up to you feeling like you were ready to jump from one thing to the, to another? Like, what did you feel like, OK, I've got enough acting credits under my belt now. And I've I've seen directors work enough now that I want to try being behind the camera. Like, at what point did you feel like you were ready and you felt confident enough to start getting to that next level.
3: I started film school in 2013 and prior to that, I mean, that was right around the time when the industry was shifting. You know, the Oscar So white thing was really kind of at the forefront and there was this huge push for diversity within the industry. I mean, it. before then though, the opportunities were really lacking. I was a very frustrated actor. I felt that I, I had a lot to offer, but there just weren't any roles. And I, I just knew this isn't going to happen if I'm just going to auditions and waiting for somebody to give me an opportunity. And I think the the blessing I had was I was doing a lot of student films, mostly from students at NYU. And I, was, I became a really good friends with most of them. And I was very inspired by the way that they collaborated. And one of my friends, Nikiatu Atujusu, who is an incredible filmmaker as well in her own right. She was the one who was like, Why don't you write your own stuff? Don't wait. Just write your script. And through working with all of these film students, I started to realize like I wanna go to film school. I actually want to learn how to do this. And it I honestly it was just a leap of faith. I didn't even know if I'd get in, but I just thought, why not? I'm gonna give it a shot. And I just took one step at a time. And I was really lucky to to get into such a, a great film school. And once I was in, and once once I was accepted. Uh, I had no choice. I had to kind of fake it till I made it. You know, I, I just had to put one foot in front of the other and get through the program.
2: I mean, I feel like that's the motto of Hollywood, though, right? Everyone yeah. is just faking it until they make so yeah, it. Yeah, it's like the totally. flip side of imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> totally.
0: <laughs> exactly. I love that. I love that you took an obstacle and you were faced with limits and t- turn that into an opportunity.
3: You know, I wasn't crazy about any of the stuff I was reading and as somebody who already felt like a writer, I you know, I was still writing a lot on my own but just for fun. I felt o- often I was reading scripts and I I knew what wasn't working. I knew how to fix them and I no I just I didn't want to be disrespectful. I wasn't going to rewrite somebody's script and the more that that happened the more i felt i can do better i can write something that i am interested in playing you know and and that was really what pushed me to to apply to film school i'm
1: curious since you you wear all these these hats have you noticed like a difference in how you're treated when you're acting versus when you're directing versus when you're writing versus when you're
3: producing it's funny because i feel like when i'm interacting with people in the industry like producers that i'm working with now you know, it's hard to say really because it, it's not like I've interviewed these people, but I think I get more more leeway as a multi hyphenate, and I and I also think that, for instance, I, I'll use this example. I'm working on a project now. I got hired to to write a musical. I can't say which one, and I'm working with these these two, you know, really amazing companies. Um, one that's financing, one that's like sort of the creative producers and i'm I'm getting so much say and so much leeway in like big creative decisions, for instance, like the directors we're going out to. I don't think a lot of my writer friends are getting those choices. Maybe they are. I don't know. Like the few I've spoken to haven't.
1: They are not.
3: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even to me, it was surprising, but because I do think... That a lot of the people that I work with in the industry, even when I'm just writing on a project, they're still treating me as a writer-director. And I feel like that is a little helpful because I I guess I have a little more input in how things are being put together.
2: I mean, it sounds like you're just getting a ton more autonomy. Autonomy
1: that comes from respect. Yes. They can't tell you you don't know what you're talking about because you know what you're talking about. So,
3: I, I mean, I don't know if it's just these companies I'm working with. I hope that that lasts. it's not something I expected. And it is nice to be consulted about like the creative team as it's coming together. So that's definitely a
0: perk.
1: When you find good producers, hold on to them. Do as much as you can with them.
0: Absolutely. What do you think are like the pros and cons of being a flexible content creator? You know, being a multi-hyphenate, is there a trade-off? Like because you get more creative control, do you find there are challenges in other areas that people might not know? The only main challenge I can see is really sometimes being uh,
3: stretched too thin. Um, and that's something I have to be very, very careful of because I'm getting offers to write stuff, but I'm also getting offers to direct stuff. And between that and some of the the, the acting I'm doing, mostly just out of my passion, but I'm actually making money as a voiceover actor now. So, But it's very much stuff I enjoy. So I think it's very easy for my plate to get full. And 2019, it was a year where I was extremely overwhelmed. And I think that as a multi-hyphenate, you have to be even more discerning and a little bit more careful about what you're saying yes to and how many different pots you have your hands in. I think that that can get out of control really quickly.
2: Based off what you just said, like how then do you decide what projects to pursue? Like, what do you decide goes onto your plate and which ones do you have to say no to? And I mean, we've talked about the fact that you're multi-hyphenate and the fact that, you know, you're being a woman of color has, it's all kind of tied in. And I'm wondering if that affects the type of projects that you generate or are offered and like, how will you decide what to keep and what not to keep?
3: I am somebody who writes a lot and I I love my own stories and I prioritize my own stories more than anything else. However, we all have to pay the bills. We all have to live. (laughs) And I think this is where being a voiceover actor is really great because I I make decent money doing that, but it's not very time consuming and it's a lot of fun. As far as the other projects, I've turned down a lot of things. If, If it's not something that is exciting enough to me for me to put down something that I'm working on, I won't do it. I'm not taking projects for the money at this point because if I start on that precedent, if I you know set, lay down that precedent, I feel like I have to keep going in that direction. And this is just a personal choice for me. Everyone makes different choices for themselves. And it's something that my agent and I have discussed at length and she's on board with that. And I feel like that's part of the reason why it's been such a good fit in terms of our partnership too is that from the beginning, she's always seen me as an auteur, as somebody who's going to be self-generating their own projects. And I'm not interested in doing something just for the money. But if it's, for instance, this particular project came from a producer who I've been building a a, a relationship with for almost four years now. And it's something that he brought to me very, very early on. And I had a lot of input in crafting. I I mean, I have pretty much full creative freedom in how the story comes together. And those are the kinds of projects I think that I'm a little bit more open to, to working on. I,
0: I'm basically just doing what pleases me. That's the dream.
2: Yeah, you are living the dream, girl.
0: <laughs> good for you. It's a good problem to have, right? Being like too busy and having having so many opportunities. And it's so awesome. But, but you're right, what you were saying earlier, burnout is real too. And you have to yeah. be discerning. And it sounds like you really have figured out a great way to prioritize what projects to put your energy into. And they're the ones that sort of you feed them and they feed your soul right back.
1: Yeah. Well, balancing that with making a living and being practical.
0: And honestly, it, it seems I'm very, A, I'm
3: very aware of how lucky I am. And B, I know that that's not something everyone can do. I have chosen to live very, very simply. I've made certain choices in my life that have allowed me to, to to, to move forward in this kind of way in my career, I've made a lot of sacrifices to be able to do that. So there's always a bit of give and take.
2: I mean, this is sort of a tangent question, but how do you maintain that focus over so many years, over so many projects?
3: I am... <laughs> <laughs> Because I've made so many drugs
2: if you want. I was going to say alcohol. Come on. It's
3: got to be a combination of caffeine and alcohol. (laughs) No, I've stopped drinking alcohol, actually. I, you know, I just, I think part of it is from the time I decided to go to film school, it was a huge, huge decision for me to get. And I'm in massive debt, basically. And I... One of the reasons I had re- been so reluctant to go back to school in the first place was because I, I was not comfortable with with that aspect of going back to school. and the commitment that I made to myself, you know as as somebody who realized that the one thing I wanted to do, which was act, wasn't going to happen the way that I thought it was going to happen. I've come so far and I've made so many sacrifices and I, and I can feel myself getting closer. And I think the, the little successes have helped to feed my, my ambition to, to sort of get over that hump. And I think that as a, as a young director in the industry, I realized very early on, not just from my experience, but all from all the directors who came before me, everyone was saying like, you know, you don't really exist as a director until you've made your first feature. And so my goal, I set very clear goals. I think that's one thing. And then I just sort of go towards them. <laughs> it might also be the immigrant thing. Seeing how hard my parents worked and us g- growing up with not having much. You get
1: the job done. Yes. Yeah, it's, just, it's that kind of an attitude where- not keep it in.
3: <laughs> you just get the job done there's no room for playing around. I, I remember in film school, so many people were going out and getting plastered after classes. And I'm like, I can't do that. I got to
0: go home and write my pages. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I went to NYU and there was definitely a similar kind of vibe. I totally
0: relate to what you're saying, Ellie. Like you can't have a backup plan. You know, if this is what you want to do, there is no plan B. And I, I also relate to that. My grandparents are immigrants and they really passed on the the work ethic of like, this is what you do. you you know, you don't rely on some sort of entitlement. Nobody's gonna just hand you something. You got to go out and get it. You hit the nail on the head with the Plan B thing. I, that's
3: exactly what I told myself. There wasn't a Plan B. You know, I'm in all this debt. No one is gonna get me out of it. My parents don't have any money. And then there's just this idea that, like, without that like safety net, if I don't do it, it's not gonna happen. And then I'm screwed. So that's my motivation. <laughs>
1: I wanted to go actually back to something kind of towards the beginning because Jess was saying how you guys met and you were talking about all the things you're about to do. So it sounds like you've done a lot of like festivals and labs and more festivals. So when you apply, like, do you have specific motivations in mind for like, you know, do, do you think about this festival will help me specifically or is it like a broader effort? And um, what about, you know, those kinds of experiences make you feel like they're worth chasing after.
3: I'm going to give an answer that might shock you, but I applied to so many things. I I just assume I'm not going to get into anything and I'm a throw everything up see what sticks kind of girl. And I I went through many cycles of getting rejected to many of the labs that I ended up subsequently getting into. And you know, at the beginning I wasn't that discerning. I just felt like any any if I get into anything it's it's helpful. Because I look at these labs, you know, with the exception of a few of them are like, were really, really very helpful in in terms of like financial support, like the the Kenneth Raynon Foundation grant that I got from um, the San Francisco Film Society, or the Venice Biennale College one, which literally financed my feature. But for instance, the IFP program I did within the, it's more of an international co-production market. Those things don't necessarily bring money. but a lot of these labs are about networking you know even at hedgebrook jess and i met and we've been friends since then and we can share resources it is for me it was more about meeting more people networking finding mentors too you know because i feel like in film school is such a bubble um, and there's oftentimes a disconnect between what you're being taught in school and what is actually going on in the industry. I, I, I felt that very deeply and I felt like these labs would help me bridge that gap a little bit. Um, I very much wanted new mentors, people that I could reach out to outside of school. And then I wanted to meet and network with other writers, other filmmakers. And, and so that was my main motivation and then as i started to get into some labs and as things started to progress i i became a little bit pickier with what is really going to help me get to the next level at this stage that's how i see those labs they're they're really useful in all different aspects not just for networking but also sometimes for monetary support.
2: So I think everything you just said really ties in well to be as flexible as possible. See what opportunities you can get because the more flexible you are, the more opportunities there will be. I'm just curious
1: if you could go back in time to your younger self before you made these big decisions. Is there a specific piece of advice that you would want to give yourself?
3: Be patient. I was very, very impatient even when I started off as an actor. I, I expected, I'm like most actors I know, mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, and probably like most people, I was expecting everything to happen overnight. I wish that I'd just been more patient with myself, and although I do feel I, I wouldn't really change anything, I think a lot of the obstacles I had were really important, actually. They, a lot of the failures were very important because they, they led to me making the
0: decisions that I made, and that is a direct product of why I'm here now. That's such good advice. I feel that I feel like if I could go back, that's the exact same advice I would give my younger self. But it's a painful process, like realizing that things are going to go a lot slower than you were expecting. And part of being uh, a creator, part of being an artist is having that ambition that drives you at 21, 22, 23 to be like, I'm going to make a film. I'm going to make it big. I'm going to get an Oscar in like five years. And and then, (laughs) you know, (laughs) having totally unrealistic expectations for your career is kind of what drives you uh, to do a lot of the things you do. But then there's also that balance, right, of like figuring out, actually, these things are going to take they're going to happen when they're supposed to happen. Was there like a I guess, a moment that sticks out to you, or maybe a, a series of moments or a time in your life where you learn that lesson about patience, maybe in a painful way, but, but it helped you overall?
3: It didn't really come together for me until I got to film school. Because one thing I noticed immediately when I started at Columbia was that there was this, obviously, all film schools are very, very competitive. And they all have their different dynamics and whatever so it's it's this is no dig on Columbia's film school at all it's really just my own observation and something that i that helped me make the switch almost immediately and i'm i feel very blessed that i did but i realized that even when we were arriving in first year there was like this pressure to get into big festivals which i thought was the craziest thing ever i just got here i don't even know what i'm doing yet And all of a sudden, I already felt this pressure to compete. And that just felt so wrong to me. And I thought, these next four years, this is my time. I'm paying for it. I'm not here to impress anybody. I'm not here to please anybody. I am here to learn. And I'm going to take my time learning. And I'm going to take my time absorbing this information and I really wanted to enjoy the process of learning. I didn't want to, to feel like that I had to immediately like, put out this incredible product, which was unrealistic for me. A lot of my first shorts were terrible, as they should have been. You know, like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. and I was really fortunate to get um, selected for an exchange at uh, La Femise, which is the top film school in France and probably in Europe. And they just work on a completely different system. I spent four months there making a short film and it was the most incredible experience of my life. In that school, they're not even allowed to apply to festivals in the first two years that they're at school. It's all about focusing on the craft and they're removing, the school is removing that element of like thinking about film festivals until you get a handle on what the hell it is you're trying to say. And I think that that is the smartest thing. And I was really jealous. But I but being there in that environment and working with those kinds of directors, because it's a very, very different kind of learning experience. And the the filmmakers, there are very different, because they're all auteurs. And they're everyone is so immersed in their own particular craft and what they're trying to say. They're all individuals there. So that kind of reinforced what I was feeling at Columbia. And and after that, that was like 2016. After that, I was just on my own time. And, and the ironic thing is, being that way, things actually happened a lot quicker for me than I thought. Once I had accepted the fact that things were going to take way longer than I thought,
0: things started to happen very fast. Is it possible that that's because you had shifted into a mindset of, I'm going to focus on good like quality storytelling rather than like racing to some sort of accolade. Absolutely. It's so cool that you had that experience and that you got to like get out of America and make films in like a different environment. I think America and Hollywood, obviously, in particular, is so focused on just success and productivity and how many credits do you have and how many film festivals you gotten into. And so it's so awesome that you got to have an experience where you really got to just channel all your energy into the work because the work if the work is good you will get recognized and you're like a living embodiment of that
3: and you're also much happier i don't feel like it's work it's something that i every time i'm i mean it is work but it's it feels good it feeds my soul ellie thank you so much
2: for being here with us today it was amazing uh, of you to share your experiences and your wisdom we're so glad we got the chance to chat with you today
3: it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. And maybe I'll come back after I've made my, my first film. Yeah. Yes.
2: So- we would <laughs> love
1: that. You could be our first returning guest. That would Absolutely. Be amazing.
3: All right, people.
2: Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Untitled Female. You can connect with us there or email us at Untitled Female Driven Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Bye.